CFS Roundtable of the Year, and thank you so much for spending to choose uh, for choosing to spend this upcoming hour with us. Really appreciate it. I'm Paula Vega Tagle. I'm the Global Partnership Manager and Founding Partner at Lavlaco and Circular Fashion Summit. And for those who are new to Lavlaco uh, and our ecosystem, at the core, what we do is helping brands and retailers to digitize and connect their products at different levels of the value chain through web three technologies like blockchain and also virtual reality. And since 2020, uh, 2020, 2019, actually, every year we host the Circular Fashion Summit, which is the annual XR gathering accelerating circular fashion through design, technology, and sustainability. And today's topic is denim digitization, uh, which we will be touching upon the current state of material innovation and new circular production processes in the supply chain, exploring also opportunities for brands from design to brand experiences in the metaverse. So I'm joined by a wonderful panel, which I'll let Adriana introduce. And thanks for being here also to, with us today. Please, Adriana, take it away. Thank you, Paula, for the interaction and uh, for having me here. Good day, everyone. And thank you all for joining us. As Paula mentioned, uh, we have a diverse group. So today with us is Ebru Osguchuk Guller, Head of Sustainability at ESCO. And then we have uh, Karina Tonda, who's a ready-to-wear sustainable development manager at Caring Material Innovation Lab, Stefano Rosso, founder at DCAVE, and Weldon Lamb, co-founder at Unspun. Welcome all. So um, for those viewers who may not be familiar with the organizations, could each one of you briefly uh, describe what your company does? So let's start uh, with Ebru. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Adriana. I'm so happy being hosted by you and being in the platform with all my colleagues in the stage. So um, this is Ebru. I'm responsible for heads of sustainability in ISCO. And ISCO is a denim mill uh, who produce denim woven technologies worthwhile with a high capacity. And our main business that we focus on how we can continue to innovate uh, existing ongoing performance fabrics with the um, rules that sustainable the leads and the all platforms approves. Thank you so much. Thank you. Katrina? Hi, everyone, and thanks uh, again, Adriana. Um, I'm a Sustainable Development Manager at uh, Material Innovation Lab in Caring. Um, Caring is a French luxury group that manages the development of a series of um, renowned uh, fashion houses, leather goods, and jewelry. And in uh, Caring, we have a strong vision uh, on sustainability for luxury. And I'm really pleased to be here with you today and excited to be part of this roundtable. Thank you, Katrina. Stefano? Yeah, hello. Nice to see you all. Adriana, thanks for having us here. Um, I'm Stefano. I'm um, part of uh, the OTB group, but mainly today I'm representing DCAVE, that is uh, my company within uh, the Web3. Our goal is to be the, the space for uh, the lifestyle space for all the most interesting uh, partnership and collaboration between uh, 
the fashion industry and, uh, and, and this new realm uh, around uh, NFT, uh, gaming and, and the Web3. Thank you, Stefano. And Walden? Yeah, it's uh, really great to be here. Um, my name is Walden. I'm a co-founder, CEO of Unspun. Essentially, we are a startup that uh, seeks to create fashion on demand. Uh, we have this 3D uh, scanning, body scanning to customization process that can be accessible through um, the iPhones and also on the back end, a 3D briefing machine to be able to localize manufacturing in a pretty zero waste process. Great, <laughs> thank you. So uh, we will just we'll jump right in. Um, Katerina uh, Kering was an innovation partner during the Circular Fashion Summit last December in Metaverse, where you guys actually shined a light on your material innovation lab startup ecosystem together with uh, Fashion for Good. So um, your organization has always been a longstanding uh, advocate for innovation as a driver of change in fashion industry, especially when it comes to responsible design. Um, could you share with us a bit more information regarding Caring's uh, sustainability roadmap and also its circularity ambition? Yes, of course. Um, as I was saying also during the introduction, uh, at Caring, when we define luxury, we define it sustainable luxury. And this is because uh, the sustainability strategy is embedded um, in our goal and in our uh, operation. And it uh, reflects uh, not only the ethical aspect, but also the driving for innovation and uh, value creation along the supply chain. So meaning that we partnered uh, with suppliers and with external stakeholders. Um, the three, three main pillars of our 2025 strategy goals are caring, collaborating, and creating. So caring stands for caring for planet, climate change, and natural resources. Collaborating means for our uh, employees, group, but also suppliers and clients. And create uh, um, stands for thriving for uh, innovation, ensuring planet, industry, and collaboration with brands. So those three pillars, let's say, drive the strategy for 2025. And as you mentioned, in 2021, we released the circularity ambition. This is actually uh, promoting a new mindset, so it's quite challenging, I was saying, and focus, uh, let's say, on four main uh, priorities, um, offering practical uh, operational guidelines. This is operational to set up new way of thinking, and this is to promote uh, uh, luxury that lasts. So durability mm -hmm. is a key word that we're exploring at group level with different level of commitment. Uh, new business model and uh, approaching an holistic uh, uh, vision. So not only for end of life, but also sourcing. Circularity is linked for us to uh, regenerative, for instance, agriculture practices. Mm -hmm. We released a dedicated fund and also making production processes more efficient and of course, collaborating with other peers in the industry because it's a common goal and it's a common um, challenge to overcome. Great. And you are managing the material and sustainable uh, aspects of the Material Innovation Lab. Um, can you tell us a bit, bit more about uh, your role? Uh, uh, you started the lab, the lab exists for quite a long time now. Correct. But uh, you have created some new divisions. So um, can you tell us a bit more? 
Uh-huh. Yeah, so the Material Innovation Lab was funded actually in 2013, so mm-hmm. quite a long time. And uh, it was always been located in Italy, uh, near the operation uh, within the Italian caring quarter. And uh, our goal is actually to provide and integrate more sustainable and innovative solution. As I was saying, innovation is pinned to sustainability vision. So they go all together and is um, supporting brands supply chain, including um, providing sustainable material and processing option through piloting Mm -hmm. exercise and uh, our main aim is actually to create a framework with the pilot within each house to implement those solutions. We are part of Caring Sustainability Department that is based in Paris and we work let's say as the operational arm of the strategy provider that is our in uh, in Paris. Um, We partner externally and internally and we have two main umbrella of action. One is sustainable development and the other one is responsible innovation. Let's Mm -hmm. say the uh, sustainable development that I am part of um, is run with other two people and we implement the ready to market solution while the responsible innovation one um, take a startup and um, not yet ready solution for long term implementation. Um, and so these two link, it's a um, comprehensive, let's say, uh, vision and strategic approach in terms of operation that the group is giving to the brands uh, to implement their strategy. Um, within our team, we are diverse as well. So we have different background to be complementary and to be able to integrate all aspects of the complex uh, strategy that we have. Great. Um, when it comes to uh, denim within your uh, material innovation lab, like how do you approach uh, this topic? So actually for denim, denim is part of uh, what we call a research stream. So we have different research streams that are uh, aiming to gain knowledge, investigate and scout a sustainable and innovative solution. And this is a requirement that has been uh, commonly agreed between the houses and, uh, and, the, and the group and the sustainability department. And the research stream on denim focus um, on replying on the main, one of the focus is also to reply on the main question, how we design and develop a sustainable denim product, considering all parameters of impact. And so to be able to reply to this, we unleveled the conversation in, uh, in three, dif- in three main area, material processing and impact measuring tool. So we have different type of conversation and different type of level to address this topic at those level. Materials meaning testing innovative fibers, for instance, processing mm-hmm. new technologies like um, to address yarn dyeing or garment finishing. And the most important the most important thing is to have a tool that will allow and enable our decision to be um, to be measured in a LCA methodology approach and have science-based targets to deliver this uh, methodology. So yes. this is the main approach that we have on the, so on that the means, denim topic. <laughs> that means you are quite uh, close to your supply chain, not only physically, but also within um, you know, implementing the uh, data and the measurements. We we try to give a framework also to suppliers to operate within because it's um, 
it's complex to, to have uh, science-based targets when you work with a complex supply chains as the one as Denim that have several steps and it's very um, sometimes disconnected. So not all the sub-suppliers are really working together on a common goal. So we try also to have them all sitting at the same table, have, have them uh, resonating in those terms. Well, it sounds like a great future plan also in case, I mean, you you have to bring everybody open, at the table. To the open, table. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Walden, um, Anspan was also featured during the CFS last year, actually within the Caring's like, uh, gallery. Um, my initial contact with you was, I guess, in early 2019, thanks to the Mr. Edwin Kech of uh, Hong Kong Rita, who actually advised me to visit your newly open space at the mills in Hong Kong. Uh, back then, I remember you guys were installing the body scanning machine as part of your um, brand service experience, but you were also simultaneously working on a 3D weaving machine in California. So can you tell us a bit uh, regarding the inspiration behind the startup, um, the Unspun, and how you guys have evolved over the last past three years? I guess pandemic uh, has brought a lot of challenges the last couple few years, but also probably likely some innovative solutions. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Uh, mm -hmm. I think if I knew this group of people before I started Unspun, maybe I, we wouldn't have gone into denim, to be honest. <laughs> like, we <laughs> now obviously we know how complicated denim uh, is uh, as a product category is. I think, uh, so when we started, we really actually started from the machine side, like we were taking inspiration from the 3D printing world, like why can't that happen in the fashion world? And taking that perspective that, hey, we can't just apply 3D printing because that's not some, something that people would want to wear. Mm -hmm. And so instead we tried to create a 3D weaving mechanism and that's how the company got started. And so then the question is, okay, let's assume this technology work, big assumption, what, products would people want? And we went through that whole sort of kind of design thinking ethnographic research process and ask people, hey, if we can create on demand, what, what needs can we serve? And like people just told us it's really hard to find bottoms, especially jeans. And because of how naive we were, we just went into uh, the, the denim business and, and that was the, the start of it. And so that's when we start um, leasing body scanner and create custom. Um, and uh, we, yeah, like as we started, it was in-person, offline um, as a format. Mm -hmm. During the pandemic, obviously that was not uh, a feasible solution. And so we pivoted into mobile scanning, um, leveraging the inward-facing camera of uh, the, that comes with iPhone starting in 20, uh, 2017, 2018. Um, and we mm -hmm. leveraged that technology. And now I think the, it's, it's mature enough that we can get pretty accurate results, even for custom jeans. And uh, yeah, so that was the, the major pivot point. Um, 3D weaving has always been happening on the background. I think we've only recently begun to come out and, and work with very select uh, number of brands on potential ways to collaborate. And you know, I think we've always been looking at this perspective, oh, like maybe we're coming at it too early. And uh, a lot of the things that we work on are, are quite science fiction-like, but I'm, I'm glad that we, yeah, I think it, it seems like the, the time are converging um, and the stars are aligning for, for where the industry is headed. 
Yeah, when well, obviously, when you started, you guys already had a very unique position in the market by being both like a then a brand and, and also an innovator. So over the last year, you have also uh, expanded your activities, and some of them have uh, emerged into these great collaborations. Uh, can you tell us a bit about uh, the expansion of activities and, and some collaborations that have uh, brought your technologies to the light? Yeah, I, I think it's it's more, uh, we didn't see it. Obviously, the conventional wisdom is, you know, you have to be D2C, you have to like either be D2C or B2B. Mm -hmm. I think our perspective is just what's necessary because like even if, as we were pivoting into mobile scanning, like if, if I had to go to a big fashion brand and tell them that, hey, like, you know, there is future in mobile scanning, like, and we need to test it with your real customers, it may not be ready. Like, I think it's a very hot pitch versus if I can just test it direct with a, like early adopter customers and like mm -hmm. be able to perfect that with, with early adopter customers. Like, so like that came out of necessity and a lot of the collaborations that we're running, um, I think mostly because I think within the denim space, like we kind of know the bottom half of the body and um, we, we're getting uh, a little bit of credibility there. And then two, some, sometimes speed to market uh, when, when, when we have uh, a consumer base and you can just test something out. Um, I think it, it, speed to market is so much faster there. But obviously, as we think about scale and actual impact on the climate equation, obviously we have to collaborate with the bigger companies and we've been doing quite a bit of that on, on the 3D weaving side. Okay, and um, I mean, ex in terms of uh, expansion, you of course uh, everybody saw that you were working with Pangaea, also leveraging your technology. So that's great. It's kind of like doing a pilot uh, that is actually put right into the world. I think that's very so that's some that's a nice approach, also for um, you know in terms of collaboration, but also in terms of making an impact. So um, when it comes to your primary focus in terms of um, denim digitiz uh, digitization currently, um, what are your future plans uh, when, also, when it comes to this, but also all your multifaceted operations, you know, 3D printing, so anything that you would like to share? Yeah, um, like I, I, th I think we're, we're on, a, on a mission. Um, if on demand is still, core to what we do and uh, with the maturity of the machine now what we are talking to potential brand partners about is being able to set up these micro factories close to the end consumers mm -hmm. um, especially in this day and age where the supply chain crisis is really impacting how we produce in conventional ways i think at least a small percentage of how we create could be done on demand could be done localized and you know our selfish wishes obviously it's like if they can, can be customized even better um, but yeah, so like we, we kind of work through this tiers of on-demand, localize, um, and customize, and, and depending on the appetite of the brand partners that we work with, uh, we try to push that agenda forward. Um, so yeah, setting up micro factories for, to, to enable those three spheres of um, impact. Great. It's kind of nice to see a common thread happening between, uh, you know, both uh, Katrina uh, and uh, Walden's spaces that uh, you have to be sort of uh, close to your supply chain. Proximity is very important. 
Embru, um, Isco, I like caring, I was an innovation partner as well in the CFS last year. Uh, I remember your gallery where you present Isco's circularity initiatives like on biodiversity, your strategy, and also your R2 technology in the form of a digital art piece. So you guys even had this digital um, denim jacket that you could, that, that it can actually be worn by the attendee avatars. Um, naturally, uh, this metaphor showcase would have never been possible without having, the down, ground, uh, having done the groundwork first. So I think we met about five years ago and you started the R2 platform uh, for recycled content and processes. Um, can you please share uh, with our audience a bit more about how did it all start and how it has evolved ever since? Yes, Adriana, the journey starts, um, first of all, by doing self-assessment, what mm -hmm. we have been doing for a long time. ISCO is an industry partner as Sanko Holding for 100th century, and uh, every single day you have to innovate yourself to be ready, not for tomorrow, but for the coming years, for the next generations. And it's a big responsibility when you are this much big capacity. You cannot repeat. In the meantime, you shouldn't sacrifice for how you well known so far. That's why, after doing our self-assessment, mm -hmm. we would like to understand and establish our targets first of all. And mm -hmm. when you put your targets, uh, you have to turn your face to your suppliers first. Before you know the, let's say, Katarina. Before you know the other part, we turn our face to our suppliers. If you fix your suppliers willingly, not only to fulfill the forms or doing the sustainable audits, willingly how they can participate this journey, then you are more powerful than you are turning your face to the brands and the shoppers. That's why we would like to understand the usage of existing denim business material. And it's easy to see that it's huge amount. In terms of you know the usage of cotton, even as Sanko, we are one of the biggest you know the supplier worldwide. We would like to understand how we can decrease the use of natural fibers, natural you know the plants. So it's very important. I'm not saying not to use it. Optimizing the usage is very important, mm -hmm. up to the need, because all the waste hierarchy, hierarchy you know the platform says first rethink again, then says reuse again. And instead of listing it, we said there is a waste and how we can make it tasty, how we can make it fashion, because we know as fashion. Expectation from ISCO, innovation. Expectation from us, colorful strength performance fabric. So doing it with mm -hmm. recycled content is the part how we add master chef, you know, the taste, I guess, and we manage it. Our two platform is a platform that can speak uh, denim language, the high percentage of recycled content, which are vice versa directions, but managing it makes the industry uh, more welcome, the recycled content and see this recycled content as fashion, not only a rule in sustainability, but also taste of fashion. Yes. Well, obviously, you're a global fabric supplier, it's huge capacity. 
and that makes all the supply chain even more complex. And of course, you just mentioned that you know high performance is super important in within your realm. So, um, what adjustments did you have to actually make to your supply chain in order to um, successfully implement the and actually scale the R two programs? Because you are doing it at scale already, and um, what kind of adjustment did you have to make in terms of design in order to preserve the high quality performance of the product, especially, uh, you know, when you're using yeah. recycled uh, fibers? First of all, by welcoming all the peers, you know, the tries and innovations that every single, you know, the drop in the glass is very meaningful in our agenda that's why nothing is wrong but something is better let's start the conversation like that so mm -hmm. a few minutes ago uh katerina just list three important you know the optimum it's very important material process and impact ratio this is not only unique but it's good to list this you know the accordingly because the material the raw material that you choose as a tier two is very important tier one and then the brands we have to be very careful in the kitchen which bazaar we are shopping to make the test and then also the process so it's not only great scoring product but also where you do it in which conditions not only environment also with the social so process that we proud in sanko in isco is our you know the power how we can not only use less water use raw material, but how we can make it proper use also in the process. And impact comes accordingly. So my score will be the brands, then the shopper's score at home. That's why we have to be careful about what we are planning to make shoppers in you know, our the wardrobe carbon handprint results better. I'm always repeating nowadays, talking about negativeness, even in sustainability, cannot make shoppers to touch it. So mm -hmm. by choosing, we, we have to offer options. And by choosing the proper one, you add positiveness to your shopper's basket, not make them to talk about negativeness. So ISCO, uh, because of our denim and denim specialists, we would like to make our own recycle content, which was a big step and investment under Sanko Umbrella with our Recycle Cotton Center and Recycle Polyester Center in ISCO, proper production of the recycled material, how we should keep performance fabric, durable fabric, which is the meaning of denim. Nobody buys denim or uses denim as to be disappear in a month time. So denim should be all time your body, in your wardrobe. That's why doing it with around 70, 75, even 80% recycled content was the key point, I guess, how to manage it. Yeah, I see. I see, of course, you, you first undertook a holistic approach and then realized that, you know, if you have, now, you have to control the input in order to uh, create the great output. Um, you briefly mentioned, uh, you know, communication with the uh, customers, uh, not only um uh, b2b but also b2c so um you have um developed r2 but also r250 plus technologies and i was i'm wondering 
how are you uh, leveraging the digitization when it comes to um, authenticity implementation, when it comes to communication to uh, B2C, but also B2C? I mean, sorry, B2B and B2C. <laughs> And makes it C to C, you know, it's, it will be yeah. at the end, you know, we can cover all. So um, in eScope for our customers, let's say B2B part, we have a ESCO code system that we give them uh, priority to trace their, you know, the choices by ESCO in terms of service, in terms of product, up to, you know, the raw material. And how we can make the shoppers to trace it without... Um, deep dive to academic or you know the sustainable jargon how they can understand in an easy way and a proper way and a smart way in a second time you know the couple of seconds how can they trace it uh, it's not something you know the different but we reread the you know the existing criterias and follow the textile exchange GRS rules if a fabric as a second raw material if you use more than 50 percent recycled content uh, you make the tier one garment maker to involve in game to make the brands happy to trace the recycled content journey and we take our responsibility uh, we just made you know the our main collection which is you know the range variety of different concept fabrics from 100% elasticity level to 3D effect level to rigid level to salvage, we make 50%, uh, more than 50% usage. So uh, a shopper, when they are around and you know would like to just see a QR code, they can trace up to production level of the recycle um, process of the material that they are purchasing. Because in a garment, in a denim garment, if it's just five pocket pant or a jacket, it's you know the not you know the mix. Mm -hmm. Around 70, 80 percent of the responsibility belongs to fabric producer. So we would like to take this responsibility, you know, the, and make it happen. And uh, the backbone of uh, this traceability, of course, you it, you're kind of making your own vertical system, but also is it supported by the blockchain? On the way. Okay. Uh, we have our own, you know, the QR code system, but instead of default system, we would like to understand the target of the B2B part, I mean, the customer part, existing their system, how we can serve better, how we can support this system. So as a denim, as a woven technology provider, how ISCO can help the brands to reach their targets in terms of digital sustainable ideas faster by giving quick time proper definition of um, the fabric in the garments. Okay, so of course, traceability and clarity as well as authenticity um, are and user what you're trying to embed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, I will switch now to Stefano. Um, Stefano, in a nutshell, uh, D-Cave is a lifestyle hub of digital culture and a space to find both premier digital and physical wearables. Um, can you tell us a bit more about uh, D-Cave's activities and what was the inspiration behind, behind uh, starting it up? Yeah, sure. So, you know, D-Cave um, aims to become the multi-brand space uh, inside the metaverse where all the most interesting uh, uh, lifestyle uh, projects, collaboration and partnership will find their, uh, their home. 
Um, initially, it all started with the idea to create uh, and generate a lifestyle uh, marketplace for uh, for gamers. But then we shortly realized that gaming was just uh, you know the initiator. But truth is that thanks to gaming, the full NFT Web3 metaverse space became uh, no, reality and uh, full adoption by mainstream people. So we realized that uh, our movement uh, and our vision should shift from lifestyle space for gamers to the, the lifestyle space of the metaverse. And that's, uh, and that's what we are doing. And that's uh, what we've been pushing for the last uh, for year and a half. Exciting, uh, exciting new universe to combine with uh, what we have currently here. Um, I, I guess in order to do your work, you must have a super interdisciplinary team. Um, can you tell us a bit more about your company's culture? How, like, how do you actually curate your collaborations and how do you leverage digital and physical wearables in order um, to promote responsible design? Yes, well, um, our company culture is very much aligned to, to the new world, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So we all work from remote. We are a fluid company. We don't have an office, um, even though we are an American-based organization. Truth is that we are all over the world and we work in different time zones. And a lot of time we ask ourselves, where are you today? Um, <laughs> but more than anything, I think the culture is a culture of openness, understanding that... Um, the sky is literally the limit and uh, this new space is giving the opportunity to anyone to to show their skills show their vision show their values uh, there is a strong sense of community uh, community participation community engagement and also, and that's what we are trying to to portray it as well uh, not only through the collaboration and the partnership that we do but also in the way that uh, that we work together mm -hmm. And if you want, is also the way that we select our uh, our brand partnership. Uh, we try to go and uh, have honest conversation with uh, brands and uh, not only brands, also organizations in general that uh, that really want to make a statement and they don't want to have a project uh, with an NFT just because it, it ends up in the you know in a newspaper and is a marketing a popular stunt. thing to do, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we try to work to people that are really trying to, to push the limit. For example, mm -hmm. we did a partnership with, uh, with Pulova that uh, it, it was great just because they literally wanted to test everything we could. So we were able to go from designing a physical watch and producing a physical watch with them to develop a full uh, space inside the central land and, and uh, you know, selling wearables, a wearable digital version of, of that watch. And for them, it was a blast because it opened their eyes on mm -hmm. a new way that they can interact, uh, talk, uh, and uh, also spread their values to, to their fan base. But also improve their technology. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, 100, yeah. 100%. Um, but, you know, I think the good thing about this space is that uh, you need to be very true and very honest. So it, mm -hmm. it's very much connected to the mentality that is around sustainability. If you try to fool or trick uh, your fan base, you're done. They smell you from you know, miles away. Yes. Um, so you need to be true to the processes. You need to have a, an honest dialogue, a constant dialogue, because if you open a Discord page, you cannot open it and let it go by itself. 
you need to be on top of your keyboard and reply to people live 24 7. it's it's a full-time engagement and i think mm-hmm. it's the most powerful tool for uh, the fun uh, you know um, and your uh, your lovers to literally have a conversation and it needs to be an honest honest conversation so i think this space is gonna evolve more but even allow all uh, the standard uh, brands to evolve their vision on uh, interaction and communication with uh, with their users um in your space you you are featuring of course the digital uh wearables but also um physical ones as well so it's it's a really uh, a hybrid of the two worlds which is which is great <laughs> and just one is enhancing another um According to the Business of Fashion recently published um, State of Fashion Technology Report, uh, there's a statistic that says over the next two, uh, two to five years, fashion brands focused on metaverse innovation and commerce commercialization could uh, generate more than 5% of revenues by investing in virtual activities today. So, um, for someone like yourself, who's historically been on top of, uh, you know, cultural zeitgeist through both your work and, and, and with influential brands, as well as your uh, personal interest, pioneering in the realm of the Web3 and Metaverse is, is a no-brainer. But for those newly entering the space, um, what kind of advice would you give? Uh, you know... First of all, I want to make a, a big statement. If someone comes to you and tell you it's an expert in this space, it's totally lying. Okay, there are of course initiators, there are the OGs of this space, and they are the ones who know the most about it. The truth is, is that it's all experimental, it's all in development. It's a, it's literally a, a baby step phase. So mm-hmm. there is space for everyone to come in and literally change the game. Um, so my recommendation to anybody that uh, wants to experiment and really uh, try to see and understand how they can uh, be involved in here, it's literally to come in and uh, and be a little bit, you know, open-minded, uh, don't Fight be scared, <laughs> brave, jump in, make mistakes, because it's only through mistakes that then, you know, good opportunities could come. And now it's the right time also to make mistakes because... It is not a fixed model. Nobody will really judge you and kill you. Um, what I would suggest, though, it's, uh, you know, uh, again, to stick to that value purpose that your brand or your organization has and um, and study a bit, you know, the value of, of the community within Web3. As I said before, they are very mindfulness. It's very important. They, they need to know they have in front and what they stand for you have and to be authentic in order to enter it you have to a, have you have to million, want it from the inside yeah a million times you know it's it's so important that uh, you have no idea but, but you know also what's quite interesting um, is that this is a space where values are so important that you can literally rewrite some of the rules of the game. I give you a, an example, a practical example. Um, the fashion industry is, at the end, is becoming, you know, mass consumption. You need to produce and then try to sell what you produce. And then, you know, when you don't sell full price, you need to discount. And then if it's not discount, you need to trash it somewhere to someone that is going to send send it far away from you. 
is really technically unsustainable. Uh, it's all about uh, big dollar sign, you know, and uh, I should not say it as I'm coming from a, a group as well that is in this business. But I feel the Web3 actually and the community around Web3 have a total different approach to it. Uh, we did a drop, you know, of uh, NFTs linked to physical goods, so a digital, mm -hmm. if you want, uh, item. And it's funny how people in this space are willing to invest on a product that they will receive a few months out and they don't care. It's almost like I'm investing in your values. I'm investing in your project. I know it takes time to produce something valuable. I know it takes time to do something, you know, uh, good, uh, high quality, and they're willing to wait. So it's a complete, you know, 360 degree turnaround of mentality which is amazing and needs to be preserved. Uh, so I always recommend to people to come in and, and, and you know, study a bit the space around you, but don't be scared, you know, enjoy the ride because there is a very live community that want to experiment with you and try new ways to, to live a better life. But this is so great to hear because I think in order to, you know, uh, raise the consciousness uh, around shopping is this idea of creation of an emotional value. It's like you're not just purchasing something, you're actually doing a research, who you want to talk to, who you are uh, um, connecting with, who do you want to buy from. It's actually, you know, everybody, uh, everybody's investments has its vote. And um, this, this space seems like it can, uh, it's already like that, and it, I, I hope it will influence also the external world. I think, I, I want to think, I think we are running a bit out of the time. We want to leave some questions for the audience. I, I really want to thank you, um, Edu, Katarina, Walden, and Stefano for, for uh, this conversation. Now I'll like, I will take it uh, to Daniel, who is going to sift through some uh, audience questions and, and, and then and we'll wrap up afterwards. Daniel? Thank you so much, Adriana, and everyone for such an engaging uh, conversation. Uh, so from our CFS community, uh, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to drop them in uh, in the Q&A uh, section. And uh, our panelists of speakers will be more than happy to, to answer. Yeah, but I really would like to hear Stefano right now, you know, after hearing the space and the realities yes, of the, you know, the world. Uh, the first, Stefano, then as a producer, I will support Stefano, you know, <laughs> how we are planning to put in this space the product and how I can as a tier to support you when you are putting this product. Yeah, so, I mean, on our side, what we're doing, we're releasing now NFT drops that are linked to, to real physical items. And the way we do it, we, we produce the goods afterward. And as simple as that, we, it's, it's crazy how we're doing tailoring production at the end, because, you know, we sell an NFT and then we do, you know, polls on what color should this shoe be? What, you know, what print do you want on the back? It's almost a co-creation. And then, um, and then you basically deliver it once it's done. So, to be able to collaborate with uh, brands like yours and uh, deliver projects that have also a sustainable corner and you know sustainable materials, I think it's um, it's totally doable, feasible, and actually it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, 
I, you know, totally agree with you. And in the meantime, what I feel, um, because of this world, we make everyone to have equal, you know, the rights to talk and decide and act on same time instead of just make them to wait the product to be ready in the shops so they can decide in the beginning. So I think the rules change, Adriana, not only brands, tier one, tier two, I think that this supply chain really touched the shoppers as well because of this NFT life. I think what happens here is that really from the beginning, inclusivity is the most important. Inclusivity from the design, inclusivity from the tech, inclusivity from the supply chain. It seems like if you don't communicate at the beginning, if you don't have everybody at the, at the table, uh, you can't make the smartest decisions. And this is really great to the metaverse. Uh, and actually even the internet in the first place, you know, uh, the social media communication with, that was just like a little prelude to, 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 you know, what's happening now. And I think, you know, the whole a new world is opening up where this co-creation and collaboration and uh, smarter design is, um, very important. So Daniel, um, do we have questions? Could you read some yes, questions? We, yes, we have questions. Uh, so the first question is, to the Daniel brands, what do you think about a 100% post-consumer recycled denim as the future? So I don't know, would love to take over uh, this question. Shall we? Well, I guess uh, for for us um, again again a little bit you know science thinking maybe ambitiously and and towards science fiction like the, one of the the primary reasons why why we're developing 3D weaving machine is that uh, if you do cut and sew operation um, like there are certain yarns that you can't recover through uh, just like a, a physical, a mechanical or a chemical recycling process. So like on the back end of like thinking through how you can 3D weave, like we're also trying to design a way to unravel the yarns that you can reuse in, in, the, in the garment so that you're not necessarily going through the existing paradigm of mechanical chemical recycling where there's like a certain threshold beyond which the, the yarn strength is not high enough. So obviously, it's for us, it's, it's highly experimental, but it's it's a vision that we, we're working towards there. Thank you so much, Alden, for answering. And then I hope I hope uh, it answers uh, your question, uh, Ayush. And then uh, we also have another question. I guess this one is for Stefano. In regards to the gaming market, who makes up the demographic, and are they? Are there the market for, is there a market for physical luxury goods? Yes, uh, actually it's, it's an interesting question. So we don't realize, but 3 billion people are active gamers, you know, because active gamers, they're not only PC users, it's people that play on the phone uh, during their commute up to, you know, the most extreme device, super technological simulators, et cetera, et cetera. So, one out of two people at least plays and will play as well. Um, and we don't realize how our life is, is been uh, having this revolution of the gamification of our life. The way we trade, the way we you know, purchase, the way we, you know, we do investments, we don't realize, but 
you know, all these applications are becoming like little games that we play with. And at the end, we are simply investing money. It's, um, it's quite interesting, the psychology behind it. Uh, so there is a market, absolutely, yes. Um, 40% of the gaming market is between 20 to 35 year old. So they're already heavy spenders. They're already invested in, uh, in, in consuming big time. Um, and some luxury brands, more than others, have already been doing uh, partnership uh, collaborations, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's simply going to grow and become more and more important. Yes, thank you so much, Stefano, for, for answering. And then uh, the last question that I have here is uh, how to connect physical products to digital NFTs? So I don't know, I would love to take uh, over this one. I mean, I'm willing because I feel about it. <laughs> Please, I don't want to talk too much. No, it's a, it's a very seamless project process. So if you buy an NFT, you need to connect your um, digital wallet. Once you purchase it, basically it's written in the blockchain. So every time you connect, you connect your uh, digital wallet, uh, I will see that you have that NFT. That allows us to develop a redeem process. So I create um, a redemption web page. You connect your digital wallet. I see you have the NFT and I allow you basically to insert the information uh, to, for me to sending you uh, your physical items. It's a very banal pro process. It's not so complicated. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stefano. And then I think uh, this is probably also headed your way too. So, uh, how does the trade of NFTs work when there is a physical product involved? Could this open up a space for something similar or related to a rental model? Uh, yes, actually it's interesting enough. Um, it's a great tool to manage secondhand because uh, I, that's something we are doing actually with OTB and Aura. Um, we basically can um, certificate, authenticate, uh, you know, uh, any physical goods, linking it to um, a code inside the blockchain, which basically tell us that that item is original. In the second that I generate that code, it can be an NFT and I pair them so I can then sell or resell that items in, uh, in the NFT space, linking it to the physical items and vice versa. And it's basically a certificate of authentication that generates value for the brand itself. Because if you sell on the secondary market in the blockchain, I am the originator of that NFT. I see the transaction and I can actually take a portion also of the transaction or decide to do whatever, you know, maybe don't take the portion and give it in, you know, uh, whatever, uh, up for charity. I'm just saying that having a traced process is the first step you know to control the life of those items and uh, it's a huge value for all the brands and uh, also to make sure that the lifespan of physical products uh, last way longer or at least we have an idea also of the lifespan of product because up to today we don't really know because it's not traced uh, once it's sold from a store or from a website we kind of lose track of where our goods are going. So it's, it's definitely a, a great tool. Oh, thank you so much, Stefano. And then uh, this one is for, uh, I believe for Ebru and uh, Katerina. 
So it's from uh, Yogen. So uh, Yogen is asking, what are the biggest challenges related to more use of um, 3D technology in the design and product uh, development processes uh, for denim products to reduce material wastage and uh, increase speed? Is this currently being used by supply suppliers uh, and brands? So this could be between Ebrook uh, and Arena and Walden to uh, to give us like how it actually works. Yeah, thank you. Yes, Walden, you first. <laughs> uh, we're we're so extreme. Like because we create custom on demand. Like every single pair of jeans actually has a digital copy. We use browseware because we, we could write script to automate a big part of that process. Um, and I also know that, uh, for example, they, they have a collaboration run, running with Junologia that integrates into, into the laser edging process. So that, that's, not, that's not new. Um, uh, like we, we have shown uh, some of the rendering to, to customers whenever they're debating between different styles and you can get pretty photorealistic in terms of both fit the drape and, and also the finishing. So uh, I would say that, that the tech is there from, from a 3D and design and rendering perspective, just from, from our standpoint. And in terms of fabric and the design of the fabric, which starts with the innovation fiber style and also, you know, the this integration to fabric format, of course, it's important, but the most responsibility in our area, like genealogia, like others who are using 3D technologies, how best afford fabric we can achieve, as I'm always repeating, without sacrificing the look, this fresh look, because unfortunately, uh, many parts of the industry after using this kind of technologies and the look wash downs unfortunately too much similar to each other and that's why um, we have to be careful to integrate but diversity and the variety of different products that's why uh, 3d supported fabric production in isco is also you know the in our topic in terms of sustainable design part And uh, uh, from my side, just to end uh, and complete what uh, Walden and Ebru were saying, uh, I link also to what Stefano was saying before, connecting through traceability and transparency. So having this um, very open, uh, um, let's say, um, path that connect uh, the, con the, the customer to the end of life of a product, but also connect the customer to the sourcing at a very uh, tier four stage. So uh, I foresee that this is really the space in which uh, you can have the customer within the product, meaning that it will be uh, part of the creation, but also part of the sourcing of the material that um, is really part of, of our vision since the strategy of the group is uh, really starting from tier four and considering the um, complexity of the supply chain, it, uh, at every stage you look at the design of the product, this will really enable to have a, an open and transparent uh, environment in which we can operate. It's not only it just just to <laughs> it's actually this whole ecosystem is there to provide new life and not have the end of the life, especially through the, if we can if we can trace everything we can reutilize with through e-commerce or uh, um, regenerative technologies that we have currently. 
So, well, thank you, Daniel, and thanks to the audience for your questions. Um, well, it's clear that we are living in the era of numerous challenges, but uh, however, it's also clear that we have uh, never been more equipped with more knowledge and new tools, and in particular, when it comes to technology, uh, which is obviously uh, not here to replace the real world, but is here to make uh, fashion ecosystem smarter, uh, more interconnected, and ultimately more responsible. So it's an exciting time with endless possibilities, as we can see. Uh, we hope uh, that these conversations have uh, provided some food for thought on how you can leverage the current technologies and also um, inspired you to collaboratively innovate uh, within your own domains because uh, it's essential in order if we want to uh, make things better for the future than what they currently are. So I think we're just about a minute away. So I want to thank you all for sharing your stories and also thank you all for tuning in. And I guess we will see each other somewhere at some conference. Uh, hopefully in the physical world. Otherwise, we see each other in the central land or uh, at the CFS. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you so Thank much, you. everyone, for joining. And be sure to be on the lookout for the upcoming uh, newsletter as well as the upcoming uh, Circular Fashion Summit uh, this November. And uh, in terms of keeping the conversation going, uh, do connect with us uh, on different social media platforms at CFS by Lablico on Instagram, as well as Twitter, and uh, as well as uh, CFS by Lablico on uh, LinkedIn. So yeah, let's keep the conversation going. And thank you so much to everyone for joining.